Hey writers, welcome back to Story Magic, the podcast that will help you write a book you're damn proud of. I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. And today we want to talk about starting a revision. So we're both in revision stages, right? Or almost in revision stages right now. Um, So tell us what you're working on, Rachel. Tell us where where you're at. Yeah. So by the time this podcast comes out, I'll definitely be in the process. But as of right now, it's the end of May and I'm finishing up a draft. Um, I have most of it. It's like written, but my process is I go back in and I like reread and add in more layers. So that's what I'm currently doing. Uh, but I mentioned that because I've already started taking like notes and writing down mm-hmm. ideas of where um, – what I might do during the revisions process, but I have not jumped in. We're gonna we're gonna talk about why that is, but um, finishing up a draft, and then once I finish that draft, I will take a break, and then I'll actually start the revisions process. That's awesome. I'm sure people are curious because I'm curious. How are you like taking notes? Like, how are you organizing your revisions thoughts? Oh, um, well, some of it is like I write in Scrivener. And I leave comments mm-hmm. on like specific passages with like, I want to change this later or this needs to be worked into earlier pages. Um, mm-hmm. Like if I'm writing, I think there were a few notes I left where I was like writing an idea in act three that I can implement into act one um, during revisions. Or if I'm, I was reading the all is lost last night and what, I had a bunch of thoughts of like, oh, okay, I, I might need to rethink my story point because of mm. these all is lost, like this argument that they had or this falling out that they had. Um, or I might want to change like some of their behaviors in the first couple scenes based off of how it's really coming out that their flaws mm-hmm. are. Um, and also taking idea notes of, of like, I need to, I want to double check this or I want to, when I'm doing a read through again, I want to make sure that this thing makes sense. So I leave comments in like the margins of my Scrivener um, doc. And then I have like a, a master doc of revisions notes that I just throw ideas in. <laughs> stuff like Love that. it. Yeah. Love it. Organized yeah. chaos. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For right now. For right now. Once I like finish the draft and jump into the revisions process, I will make a plan. Yeah. Which yeah. is we have some processes for how you might make a plan like suggestions yeah. that we'll talk about during this episode yeah yeah and what this about is, you this will be your second draft right you're about um, to finish your first I I in my head I'm thinking about it more like the 2.5 2.5 I love it it gets yeah. so messy especially in those early stages when you're like messing around you're like what draft is this <laughs> yeah like I wrote this is my first time writing this version of act three but I've rewritten act two twice I've re- gotcha. rewritten Act One, I think, three times, um, and I've moved scenes around a bunch. So, if you're just thinking of like, has this been the first time that I've written the last scene? <laughs> then that would be Draft One, but that's definitely not. Like, I've redone Act Two a bunch, <laughs> done a lot of movement. So yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about it more like Draft Two, Two and a Half. So when I work on the next one, the next draft, it'll probably be Draft Two and a Half or Three. <laughs> Who cares? I love that though because yeah well because it's like it's important though because I think a lot of times people feel like they haven't finished a draft because they've rewritten lots of pieces of their story or they feel like they have to finish a draft before they can go back and like revise stuff which isn't necessarily true right revisions can 
we're going to talk about how they come in layers, but they also can come in like weird phases Yeah, <laughs> where you're like, you know, redoing act one for a very <laughs> specific reason, or you have to, you know, reach your midpoint and redo the first half of act two. Yeah. So it's not, it doesn't have to be super linear. No. I mean, oh, I think that's, I'm going to write that down as one of the myths that we're going to tackle. Um, love like it. Linear versus like, do you need to absolutely mm. finish a draft that you don't love the direction of before you can start love making it. changes too? All right. We're um, pinning it. We're coming back to it, it folks. Come back <laughs> to it. Um, but tell us about you because you're doing something super fun. Yeah. <laughs> is it? It feels like chaos. No, I'm <laughs> it is fun. Um, I, yeah, so I am on draft. It's labeled draft four. <laughs> <laughs> in my document but it's probably draft like seven if i really were to think about it um of my story which i just got an agent for Mm -hmm. um which is very exciting Mm -hmm. um so i'm in this weird spot of like right last winter i cleaned this thing up (laughs) Mm -hmm. as much as i could right before i went on querying and then my agent had notes um and they were great notes and i'm really excited about them um but they're big they're kind of changing some fundamental stuff while Mm -hmm. also I need to cut 20% of my word count, Mm -hmm. which is nuts. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so I'm entering this new revisions phase of implementing feedback that I've gotten um, that's both deep and like the surface level line editing stuff. So it touches multiple layers, um, which Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about the layers of revisions um, in a bit, but yeah, and I'm on, and I'm on deadline. Yeah. So there's a, there's a timeline to it and a, a bit of urgency, which is, mm-hmm. um, different and fun. Yeah. I think one of the things that I want to talk about when we get to talking about process is, um, like, I think because you're on draft seven or whatever this official, draft <laughs> whatever is, it is, whatever it is, who knows, <laughs> um, it's working for you to do a lot of this at the same time. But like if a yeah. client had come to me and I had given them notes about a book with like a first draft, I in my brain, I would be like, don't worry about cutting word count until yeah. your structure is great. Like why mm-hmm. don't worry about taking all those things out if you're just going to completely redo what scene goes where and um, how you would change. I know yours is dual timeline. So in your case, like changing yeah. the first timeline, like don't cut your scenes or don't cut your account until you've done that because otherwise yeah. you're just doing work that might not make an impact later. But I, for you, it's, it's a little different because this is such a familiar draft and such a familiar story. And um, it isn't, it isn't, I mean, like I'm having to do this weird, I mean, part of it is also the timing of it, right? So I'm trying to like be as efficient as I can, but Mm -hmm. that's meaning like embracing the layers because Mm -hmm. I can't, like I'm having, 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 having to (laughs) deepen, um, like one of the things, one of the notes that I got is to deepen the romance. So I'm adding a lot of romantic stuff Mm -hmm. while I'm trying to cut word count. So it's this weird balance of like, okay, I'm going to cut as much as I can. And then I'm going to add some stuff. And then I'm going to see where I'm at at the end of act one. And like, do I need still need to cut more stuff? Or can I like, can I push forward? Is my word count on track? So it's this weird kind of back and forth where um, I'm like, I read through and took notes on act one and then revised that like line edit stuff just to see how, how much I could get it down. And then I deepen some stuff and now I have to go back and see if I can line it at some more. So it's a, it is still in layers, even though it feels a lot like I'm moving, you know, like I'm doing a lot of things at once. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, a, this is a good 
segue into talking about when you are looking at your story, when you finish your draft and you're planning what changes do you want to make for your next draft, you've got to hold a lot of different things in your head at once. Yeah. And there is a flow to this process. And some of it might be um, cyclical. Some of it might like interweave with other topics, but generally you're going to follow a path going from what we call high level revisions topics progressively down to low level topics. Yeah. Like for example, if, um, if you didn't have this plan or if you were just starting to cut words um, without knowing like the general direction of, you know, where was your story headed? It's really easy for writers to hyper-focus on like cutting words, for instance, line editing, yeah. the line mm-hmm. editing, when like actually we don't start with line editing for a very specific reason. Yeah. We start with high level topics like story points, story structure, character arcs, and then move on to low level topics like line editing. Yeah. Kind of last or just in in this mm-hmm. flow, you go you want to go high to low because it doesn't make much sense to do line editing work when your story structure is completely off, when you have to yeah. move scenes around, when you need to um, completely redo a character arc or string through another plot thread, but you're so hyper-focused on like, which sentence works well mm-hmm. here? It's a waste yeah. of it's a waste of time and energy. It totally is. And there, there's a reason I'm doing that on draft seven, right? Exactly. That was my point earlier is like, yeah. that's, you're at that, that spot now where that's, that is the flow that you need at this yeah. moment. We're on draft yeah. one. You'd be spinning wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because I'm on draft seven and I'm still doing deep developmental stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not, it doesn't work as linearly as, mm-hmm. you know, the, the hierarchy might say, but I think maybe a better, um, or not better, but a clearer illustration would be kind of what are you planning to do once you hit the end of your draft? Because this is like, you know, draft 2.5, and then you're going to have a full draft, and you're going to analyze, I assume, the whole thing. So like, Mm -hmm. how will you start to work through kind of the levels? Maybe we could walk through what they are, given how you'll look at it. We use a term called the hierarchy of editing. And this isn't something we made We made up. This is a real thing. There's a hierarchy to this process. And there's also a difference between revising and editing. So let me just start there for a second. So revisions are like when you're taking um, the story itself and questioning, is this the story that I want to tell? Is this how the story should flow? Is this the character? Are the characters making sense? Um where you're making those really big picture changes, that's revising. And then when you get into, is this the right word choice? Does this comma go here? Um, you know, what's a dialogue tag? Like that's yeah. editing. That's <laughs> that is editing. So there's a difference between looking at, yeah, are my character arcs making sense? And does this sentence, is it grammatically correct? Yeah. Um, do I need it? Do yeah. I need it? Should I cut it? <laughs> Um, so to, to give some clarity there, I'm definitely starting with revisions. So the hierarchy in my brain is that we start with the idea of story point. Is my story point clear? Is the message, is the takeaway clear? So I'm going to read my draft with that question in my Mm -hmm. mind. That's kind of the first place that I'm going to start is as I'm, once I finish this draft, 
I'm going to reread it completely through and ask myself a bunch of these really big picture questions. And that's the very Mm. first one. Um, Because I know the answer already is no, it's not going to make complete sense. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I meandered, I moseyed around, I switched, switched directions uh, knowing that. And then once I got to my all is lost moment, um, it took a little bit of a nuanced and more specific and refined shape. So and that's super common. Very common. Um, for right. folks out there. Yeah. Yeah. So t- I knew that absolutely going into it. That's why it's the first place I'm going to start is I'm going to ask myself, okay, is this still the message that I want? Did the message that came out when I wrote the book match like what I really wanted to say? Or do I need to kind of go back and rethink mm. some of these things? Um, and asking myself um, at the very end of this book, can I see the change in my characters? Can I see that they have learned this lesson? So I start there. I'm also going to be looking at, um, speaking of character arcs, those same things. It's like, do my characters go through a change? What are Mm -hmm. the major points of their change? Are their internal obstacles clear? Are they making sense? Do they still reflect, you know, what I had set out to do? Um, uh, Is... You know, are they making decisions that align with their flaws, that are flawed decisions? And then once they go through the all is lost transformation, are they making better decisions? Are those decisions making sense? So I'm kind of asking a lot of clarity questions mm-hmm. when I do my read through to get to get a sense of those answers. And then I'll take those to look at the structure of the story. Um, do my characters have strong goals? Are their goals coming through in each scene? Do their plans makes sense. We've talked about pivot point plans on the, on the podcast before. Um, Do those make sense? You know, is the direction still aligned? And this is what I changed majorly about act two was those, those big questions, the structure of act two. Um, So I start to look at that and make sure that it is still aligning with my story point and the, the character arcs that I have written onto the page. Um, I already have marked down like three or four scenes that I know I either want to completely cut or like go back to the drawing board mm. on. Um, and I'll probably start there because my gut instinct right now is that I, that I like the structure so yeah. far. I like all the beats that I'm hitting. I do think I'm hitting the major save the cat beats that the characters are pretty much in line with that, but I'll need to double check. Um so that's where I'm going to start. And that's probably going to give me a lot, a lot of thoughts, a lot of work yeah. to do. Um, but then I take that and I, I look at each individual scene and I'll decide how I want to change those scenes. Um, I already have a couple ideas of those, those three or four scenes that I know that I want to change, what I'm going to do with them, how I might shift them around or what, what new scene might take its place. So I've got ideas about that. Um, and I'll write those scenes. I'll like insert them in there, take another look, do another evaluation. Um, and from there, then I can get more to like, um, is the romance making sense? Like is, is the, is the heat level there where I want it to be? Is the tension there where I want it to be? Um, so I'll do all that. And then like last I'll cut. I'll like cut words because I know I know I I have words that I want to cut. My draft is probably going to end up about around a hundred thousand words, and I'd like to get it around ninety. But I'm not super concerned about that right now. Love it. I think that's super helpful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I did that with my second or third draft of mine, 
I did a very similar thing where I, you know, was looking at those big foundational pieces of the mm -hmm. story, you know, the message, the arcs, the, the pivot point plans. That's a big one. I feel mm -hmm. like, cause that's how the, the arcs show up in the story on the page. Yeah. Um, and that was when I ended up deciding that I needed it to be dual timeline. Mm -hmm. I remember <laughs> which was, that. Um, which was a big decision because essentially what I was doing was I was taking what was act one mm -hmm. and spreading it throughout the story, which meant I didn't have an act one anymore, which meant I had to like restructure everything from the foundation. Um, and that was a really big, really big moment <laughs> that made my story so much better. But I think um, it's one of those moments, right, where we look at a story and we're like, oh, my goodness, I have to basically rewrite this whole thing. I mean, I basically mm -hmm. rewrote it. Yeah. And there were pieces that I kept. Of course, there's always there's always so much you can keep. Um, but it really was like tearing it down to the bones and rebuilding it. Um, should we move into the mindset of that? Because I think that that's yeah. one of the biggest <clears throat> hurdles. Mm -hmm. in the revisions process because it's so emotional mm -hmm. um is and it and it's rooted in this very problematic hustle culture mm -hmm. like perfectionist belief i think that a lot of writers carry that if you have to do that if you have to rip your book apart <laughs> and start from the foundations that you've like failed in some mm -hmm. way yeah and that's not true not at all. I was I was about to say obviously not true, but it's not yeah. obvious. No. It's not. It's it's that's a it's a thing that we a lot of us carry, many of us carry that any type of major change you make to the story means you failed. Um it's not right. You didn't plan it right. You didn't do something right. Um and it's a waste of time. Yeah. And I think that the fear of failure plus the waste of time is like one of the biggest reasons why people give up. Yeah. in this process and why they just kind of go to a new a new story why they yeah. don't push through it but they're the a strong mindset is that there there is no failure in this you can't tell the version of the story that you want to tell that you need to tell without putting without putting it on the page in its imperfect form i don't even love yeah. the word imperfect but like i know getting raw. it out there raw <laughs> raw unpolished yeah. the, it's raw form and yeah. then it can take shape. But if you don't do that, it's never going to hit the version that you want it to hit in your head. And mm -hmm. it's also not a waste of time. It's never no. a waste of time to do this work. But a lot of writers carry this like timeline expectation that they need that's, to finish. That's the tricky part. And yeah. I think it's rooted in I think one of the hardest parts about it, and this is, I went through like the phases of this, right? When I realized it needed to be dual timeline is that it blindsides sides you, blindsides? Mm -hmm. Is that yeah. like, like blindsides? No, blindsides blind sides. It yeah. like inherently it's going to blindside you because mm -hmm. like we don't enter a story being like, I'm going to write it this way because I know it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. We're right. like, okay, this is my best guess for how I'm going to write this. My best guess was chronological order. So mm -hmm. I wrote my story in chronological order and I was like, this is my best guess for how I'm going to make this story work. And it wasn't until that draft was done and I had already revised act one that I realized it needed to be a different way. And mm -hmm. it feels like you get hit by a huge freaking truck. 
Because you're like, oh my God, I was on this path and I had this deadline, right? Mm -hmm. You have a vision for when you want to finish your project. And I had a vision for when I wanted to finish my project. And that was the hardest piece to untangle emotionally was like, I'm to do this book the justice that it deserves. I'm not going to meet that deadline. I -hmm. need another year. That's like a huge thing to swallow, Mm -hmm. right? And to admit and to like accept. And I think like you literally go through a grieving process of grieving what you thought your timeline was going to be, grieving Mm -hmm. what you thought the story was going to look like, all in in service of making the book the best it can be. But that doesn't mean it's not really, really fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and, And that's where a lot of people give up, I think, is like not is is having trouble processing that part of the process because it just feels so left field Mm -hmm. and it feels like you failed even though you didn't at all yeah i mean there's there's a lot in western society tied up in the idea that time equals money and the longer time you spend doing something somehow equates to a less amount of money that you're going to earn and so there's all sorts of Trauma and drama, as our book coach Nicole would say, or I'm sorry, as our money coach Nicole would say about money. And we carry a lot of pressure with that. So anytime that your timeline gets um, reevaluated or changed or pushed back, it feels like you are no longer worthy of this. It feels like you're not going to make as much money and it feels like if you can't make as much money, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. And um, all, all of those things wrapped up in external validation. But the, in my experience personally and with clients, revising always takes longer than what you expect it to. Yeah. People give themselves ridiculous deadlines and expectations that are so unrealistic, but yeah. they don't know that. Like, Especially it's not, it's when they're just starting out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> this take this is a lot of brain work. Writing a book is not simple or easy or um quick. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. And if you if you decide also, I want to clarify like there are lots of very successful self-published authors that do this process really really fast. There's not just self-published, but lots of authors that do this yeah. really really fast and that they decide they once they finish with draft 2 or draft 3, they're done. That's okay too. Like if you just look at a draft and you're like, I'm finished with this. This is as best. This is where I want it. And I'm ready to put it out in the world. Perhaps knowing that it's not like the most perfect version that they would ever work on. Like that's perfectly okay. I have a client who's published four books and that's her process where she Mm -hmm. gets it to where it feels really good to her. And then she's ready to publish it. And she has great expectations for how short that parity of time is for her. And it, works out like that. But there's also like a writer like me where this is going to take me probably at least six months to a year to do, to, to get it to like draft three, four, five. Yeah. And then be like, oh, is this where I want it to be? Like, I'm not at this point, not putting a deadline like that on myself. Yeah. Um, Cause I want to see what I feel when I'm done. Maybe I'm finished with draft 3.5 and I'm like, that's amazing. That's, Boom. But that's also, yeah, yeah, maybe like you finish your draft and you're like, actually, I feel like I need to take this to draft seven or I need yeah. to take this even further than that. Further than that is like still so, so, so normal. Like there's drafts yeah. like 10, 20, like by the time yeah. 
by the time a book comes out, especially in traditional, it's been through draft yeah. 50. Like it takes yeah. forever. Um, and you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know to what's going to happen when you finish mm -hmm. a draft. I think that's, that's the part that writers don't expect. Like, it's almost like you want to expect the unexpected. Mm -hmm. um, because at least that's, that's what I'm learning is like, whenever I finish a draft, there's my eyes open and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a way it could be better. Right. And this is, and my agent was able to help me with this draft seven, but you know, previously, each draft, it's like, oh, I could do this big, fun, you know, make this big fundamental change. And if you are hit by something like that, like for me, it, the biggest moment was the dual timeline piece because that mm -hmm. was, like I said, ripping it apart to the foundations. And it hit me like a chuck. And mm -hmm. I was like very uncomfortable and very painful. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I knew it was right. Mm -hmm. Like deep in my gut, I knew it was right. I actually, I messaged my CP and I was like, oh my God, what <laughs> if I did this? And she was like, are you having a mental breakdown? Should we mm -hmm. take a minute? <laughs> and like, make sure this is what you want. And I was like, yes, we could take a minute. I'll take a few weeks and think about it before I like do something rash. And I was like, but I knew in that moment that it was right. Like in my mm -hmm. gut, I was like, I'm going to have to do this. Um, and if that's how you feel about a change, like grab onto that. Um, because that's your anchor in the storm of the grief and the disappointment and the like mm -hmm. recalibrating of your, you know, your process and every, like all your dreams for the book. Yeah. Um, because knowing that it's right and wanting to do it will pull you through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, that doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> no. And it also doesn't mean that you didn't carry fear for those changes. I mean, like you, I think that there's a difference between, Making revision changes because you're afraid of something. Yeah. But then making revision changes because you know it's right, but the process of implementing that is scary. Like mm -hmm. there, there's a difference. There's a huge difference. Between those things. Knowing that something feels right, but being, but being like anxious or nervous about how to execute is different than like having no idea what changes to make. So you're making decisions out of fear and then – being like, uh, like vibrating with anxiousness because yeah. you have no. Did idea. I make the right choice? Did yeah. I make the right choice? Yeah, yeah. And there's always going to be some of that, but like that's where you learn to own your decisions. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that in one of our earlier episodes. It was like an early one where we were like, yeah. you <laughs> making a decision that you later changed does not mean that that was the wrong decision. Yeah, that's like owning your choice. Yeah. And, but if you're afraid that that was the right decision and you can never let it sit and you can never let it like stop poking you in the gut and being like, I'm over here. Don't forget about me. Like mm -hmm. that's an anxious choice. But if you come back later to change that thing, that's not wrong. That's again, yeah. part of this process. Yeah. I also think it comes down to, can you articulate how the choice you're making is better for the story and the vision mm -hmm. you want to share versus any kind of external reason? Mm -hmm. Because people will like it better because it will, you know, read faster because it will fit the genre better because, right? Like all those external reasons, like if it's just external reasons that are driving why you should make a revisions decision, like what voice you write it or what point of view you write it in. Are you going to change your whole book yeah. from first to third just because like you're afraid of, you know, something that someone else is going to say or because it's common in the genre or something like that or are you doing it because like 
deep down, you're like, oh, it's the right decision to change this to first, mm -hmm. right? Um, th those are different. And it takes it takes what, time to learn to trust those the difference mm -hmm. of those um, reactions in your body. But it's worth um, it's worth getting to know them for yeah. sure. Yeah. So you one of our myths that we have up here is this whole idea. But if you plot or draft or do anything well enough before you get to revisions that you don't have to do revisions. And that's not true. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true at all. Um, no. You always need to make. Gosh, I wish it was true. I oh, know. My inner, my inner <laughs> child is like, please, can that be true? But it's not. <laughs> it's not even close to being true. <laughs> um, perfection doesn't exist. But even if you think of yourself as like the most perfect plotter in the entire world, there's still going to be changes that you'll need yeah. to make. And on the flip side too, like uh, I wanted to, okay, backing up. I wanted to be a plotter to reach, to attain this, but that's just not how my brain works. Mm. So I know, and I now accept that I probably will have a decent amount of work to do in rewrites and in revisions because I have to go through this process of exploring all my options and putting it on the page and seeing how it feels and you know, letting my characters go on tangents and come up with ideas and have circular thinking. Like I have that. So I have to let my characters do that. And I can't force myself to plot or to draft well enough. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. But I also can't do that because that's not how my brain works. Yeah. And my brain does that work that way. And I did <laughs> plot my book and I still blew it up. <laughs> I still had massive curveballs, train wrecks, all the things right after the draft. And so Plotting, whether you plot or pants has nothing to do exactly with whether or not. It's just how you approach things, right? A plotter and a pantser are going to approach revisions differently. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like it's the way that you look at the story and the way you tackle different changes and advances and all the things um, versus like, like, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. has nothing to do with whether or not you're going to have to revise. <laughs> yeah. Which really like – if you've ever questioned what the right way to write a book is, I want you to re-listen to this part and like sit with that because there's yeah. no right way and there's also no right way to like do revisions. It just is one step in front of the other. Yeah. And eventually you finish it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the only like guidance we can truly give you is to start big and then go small. Mm -hmm. yeah. Start with the big foundational things. Um, it, because it's a, it will, t it will save you time. There's no point in line editing something that you might blow up later. If you know, you're going to blow it up later, right? Yeah. <laughs> like if you already know you need to change your character arcs, then why are you, you know, don't, don't be line editing. Go do that first. If you, yeah. if you line, like I just line edited the crap out of my book in January <laughs> to get it ready for querying. That wasn't, you know, like I thought I was done right for mm -hmm. that that stage and I needed to line edit it. That's where I was at the end of that revisions process. Um, but I'm still like blowing it up now. So that it. doesn't necessarily mean that you won't go back and do that or that you can prevent it in every case that you're not going to waste time line editing when you need to be working on something else. But yeah. if you haven't thought about the big picture stuff, do that first. That's yeah. really like the biggest guidance we can give you. Yeah. And I can tell you from personal experience that the reason why I would always go to line editing first was twofold. One, it felt like I was making progress. 
It mm. felt really good. Like when I finished my very first draft of my very first book, I would go through it with like a fine tooth comb, making sure that all the line editing was right. But it made me feel like I was doing something to the story to make it better. And then the second piece was that I didn't know how, I didn't know what, like what else were you supposed to do? I didn't know how yeah. to go from high level to low level. I didn't even know what those things were. I didn't know what story point was. I didn't know what character arcs were. So if you catch yourself or if you find yourself in this place of like, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels because I keep looking at my scenes and I have no idea what to do to change them, to make it better, to start revisions. That's where I had to go back and learn. I had to yeah. learn this craft stuff that I didn't know so that I could evaluate story point. I could ask myself those clarifying questions. I could ask myself, do my character arcs make sense according to this plot structure, according to the internal obstacles that I've developed? But if you have if you don't know a story point or you haven't tried to develop character arcs, mm. then you have to start there. You have to yeah. go back to those. You still need to go back to those th things, but it might take some learning. It might take some um, polishing of those craft skills so that you don't just spin your wheels on word choice, thinking that you're making a really big difference when really to match your vision, you you do need to go to character arcs. You do need yeah. to go to story structure. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, that's I think that's really helpful because so many writers end up in this place where they're like, I'm not, I know my book isn't where I want it to be, but mm -hmm. I have no idea why. And so I'm just going to keep moving commas and like changing words, right? And cutting sentences. Um, and I think learning is like the, the biggest first piece of that. But I think the second piece that I would add to that is get feedback. Mm -hmm. If you do have a foundational understanding of craft stuff and you've taken your book as far as you can and you're you find yourself in that you know comma pushing space get feedback um mm -hmm. because that is where oftentimes we will get those ideas the curveballs the the reframes the mm -hmm. tr gut train gut hits right of like big changes we can make to to achieve our vision um sometimes they come from out outside eyes mm -hmm. um whether that's an editor or a critique partner or um you know, as a writing group, mm -hmm. um, that's another good place to to zoom out and get some some bigger feedback. Yeah, and get feedback from like people who from other writers, from people yeah. who do know a little bit about the writing space. I'm not saying they if you're gonna do go go to like a, a peer for feedback, um, make sure that they have some skills too, because uh, what I would do is send my book to all my family and friends and they would be like, this book is amazing. And I'd be like, great, I'm done. And then I yeah. query it and it would be like, no, this is a hot mess. And you're like, but everybody <laughs> says they like it. So like, what do I do now? Um, so get feedback from people who are in the writing space, who have some of those skills and who know the terminology, but this is why clients come to us yeah. a lot to coaches, to professionals. Um, I we've worked with plenty of revisions client. One of my clients right now, we're planning her revision and she's this will be draft five for her. But the difference between drafts one through four, where she was tweaking scene things here and there and draft five, where we're completely restructuring the plot, that's going to be a huge leap yeah. in like yeah. improving the story and in her skills mm -hmm. development. Um. But like you said, she needed she needed the feedback to get there. She knew it wasn't right, but it 
she needed to work with a pro to help her see that and to teach her the skills gaps that she was having trouble with on her own. Um, we do we do a lot of this skills development and progress and like discussions in tenacious writing too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like our one on one clients that we do this with, but that's where if you're feeling like completely in the weeds, totally lost, frustrated, confused, I have no yeah. idea what to do next, but I know it's not right. That's when I would say you should work with a professional. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're absolutely. not getting like that effective feedback from the people around you, that's right. Be like, you need to search out somebody that can show you those places and that can also help you fill the skills that you need to fill to make those changes. Yeah. We'll throw our uh, story magic one-on-one coaching program link in yeah. the show notes for folks um, in case you are interested and come chat chat with us about it. Yeah. Um, we, we love chatting about it. Um, okay. What other myths? Um, I, okay. So this one is one we touched on at the top of the episode. Um, do you have to write linearly? I see this advice, which sometimes I fully agree with and sometimes I disagree with completely. So I think it depends. <laughs> but the advice that no matter where you are in a draft, you should completely be finish it before you make changes. Um, and sometimes I'm going to say, yes, I agree. But I also just did the opposite of this. And here's how it was different for me. If you are writing your very you're you're writing a draft, you know it doesn't feel right, but you're not specifically sure why. And you also feel good like in a in a mindset place of not in a perfectionist hole. <laughs> um I or you then I would say like, okay, wait, I think let me rephrase because I think I said two conflicting things. If you <laughs> are in if you know you're a perfectionist. You're in, you tend to get yourself stuck in a perfectionist hole and you're, you cannot clearly articulate what the problem with your draft is. I say, finish it. Don't stop. Just keep going. Just get it all out. But if you are in a good mental space, you are not letting yourself get stuck in a perfectionist hole and you can clearly articulate what the problem is and how you would change it. Then I say you should stop. And you should make mm-hmm. those changes because that's that's what happened to me. I got I got most of the way through Act Two. I was writing the All Is Lost, and I knew that it wasn't right. That Act Two had not led them to the emotional, yeah, like cliff that they needed to fall off of in the All Is Lost. I knew that their plans were not correct, and I knew that they weren't the direction that Act Two went. Like wasn't hitting the places yeah. that I wanted to hit. So I went back to act two at that time. I stopped. I stopped the draft. I want, I thought about pushing forward. I thought about, do I just finish it and see where it goes? But I knew that whatever I did right in act three wasn't going to line up to the vision that I had. I hadn't gotten them to the place that would have reached the vision. So yeah. I stopped and I went back to act two and I redid it. But if yeah. I was working with a client and we knew that something was off, but we couldn't quite say like what it was. We would need to get those pages down. We would need to get the words out. We would need to see how things fall, how the cookie crumbles. So I would say, keep writing it. Let's see yeah. what happens. Um, so that that's kind of where I fall on this. I don't think it has to be. I also don't think you need to draft linearly, which was another part of this, mm-hmm. this myth. Um, there is a big value to pushing through, but there is also like, if you know what you're doing, you know what changes you would make and you're not going to get yourself in a bad mental spot by making those changes, make them. Yeah. 
Yeah. The one thing I would add to that is if you're at that place where you're like, whew, okay, I can see the changes that I want to make that I need to make to deliver on my vision, right? I can see it. I can articulate it. Then I think you have two choices. You can say, and, and both of them depend on looking forward. Do you need to make those changes? Will you benefit from making those changes um, now in moving forward, right? So like if they are small changes or like mm -hmm. a subplot needs to be tweaked or like you can very clearly see, oh, I'm going to like go plant this MacGuffin or something mm -hmm. like that, right? But it doesn't change where you're headed. Just, just put notes. You don't yeah. have to go back and do that. You can keep that for the next draft. But if you're, and this is where I was with a client recently, we finished her act one and she was like, oh, fundamentally, I know who my character is now and who I've written her to be at the end of act one is not who I need her to be to move forward. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, okay, then this is a, this is a point where we need to go backwards and we need to establish who she is in act one the way that you want her to be, because otherwise if we write forwards, it's not going to like, we're going to get even more lost where it's not mm -hmm. going to make sense. Right. And this was a very first draft. So we went back, we did one more pass of act one. And then we were like, okay, we can still see things that we need to change, but we don't need to do those things now to move forward. And mm -hmm. so that was that second time we decided to move forward instead of do a third pass. So I think asking yourself, like, do you really need to know it? Or can you just put a note, um, can be really helpful in dividing like, because otherwise we could just get stuck in a cycle forever, right? Yeah. Oh, I can see that change I want to make. Oh, I can see. And I used to do that. I wrote mm -hmm. the first act of this story like 60 times. Yeah. <laughs> and they were all wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was because I was afraid to move forward and I didn't know where I wanted to go. And I needed to just finish the draft to figure that out. Yeah. Um, well, I think yeah. it goes back to that high level to low level where if you know that you're going to change this one detail, that's a low level thing. Yeah. But if you know that your character plans are wrongs and their goals aren't leading them in the right direction, that's a structure thing. Yeah. So you can change that. And I, I completely uh, understand your client because I'm a very visual writer where it would be difficult for me to make a jump from a story trajectory that's one thing and then change it to be something that I haven't actually seen yeah, haven't actually that set I can't up. connect the dots to. Like, yeah. I need to have the A through F, you know, lines written there so that yeah. I can go to the next point and I can see the connections. Um, but otherwise, just take the note. Like, that's why I have yeah. pages of notes already that I haven't even gone back to revise yet because I've mm. just written down the note. I don't need to make that change. It's not going to make – it's not going to change, like, make or break the story for me as I'm drafting right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can, you can always go back to your high level to low level hierarchy be like, is this a, is this a story fundamental thing? Is this a message? Is this a structure? Is this a character arcs thing? Um, or is it more of a low level, a detail thing, uh, a plot thread, a subplot, uh, yeah. um, something that you can, easily weave in later that doesn't drastically change the nature of your story. Yeah. Yeah. What other myths do we have? I think the last one is that it will be easier if you revise everything all at once, scene by scene. 
<laughs> if you hit all the level all the levels at once. <laughs> yeah. I'm so susceptible to this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, a lot of people are because I think it just feels like number one, you're saving time because yeah. you're doing it all at once, which we talked about. Um, and number two, it's also really hard to do things one topic at a time when you know that there's loads of things that things. you want to do. All the things. Yeah. I fell for this as recently as last week <laughs> <laughs> when I was planning my revision. Um, so I like have, right. I have my agent notes. I know like some of the big fundamental things that I want to do. And so I'm like, okay, I'll make a spreadsheet. Right. And I'll have a, a column, a spreadsheet where the rows are all my scenes or and mm -hmm. my chapters and the columns are like, and there's nothing wrong with this. I, I'm still using the spreadsheet, but mm -hmm. I, in my head, I was like telling myself that if I just had all the different columns and then you know, read through my draft, then I could like fill out all the rows with all the revisions that I would need to make while I did my read through. And then when I was done with my read through, I would have exactly what I needed to move forward. Mm -hmm. Right. That fell apart, like within four seasons. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I realized that especially with um, needing to cut 20% of my word count, that I need to kind of do this like gauging thing where I go back and forth of like, how much can I cut from these scenes? And then, okay, do it, can I keep this subplot? And like, what can go and what can stay is a an active conversation that I'm having with myself that is not as simple as like, I'm going to read it through, decide the changes I'm going to make and then just do them. Mm -hmm. So it's become more of like a, I read through act one and then I filled out my spreadsheet and now I'm making those changes and I'm going to see where I'm at at the end of act one. And if I need to make more changes or if I can kind of read through the, you know, up until the midpoint. So it's this back and forth that's not linear at all. But my brain was like, I'll just put all the edits in and then go see back. I even put like, <laughs> we have a task um, manager called Asana mm -hmm. and I even put like, I mapped out, okay, if I do three scenes a day for this many weeks, then I'll meet my deadline, <laughs> which was yeah. helpful in seeing how much time I had. But I was like, this is useless. This is not how I'm going to do this. Yeah. But, but it's like, everything tells you, oh, if you just do it linearly, do it all at once, you know, move forward like a factory, then it's all going to come out fine. And then you'll hit your deadline and be done. And like, yeah don't don't put yourself in that box <laughs> yeah uh, we we just had a um a writer ask in tenacious writing and like express a lot of frustration around revising um in our tenacious writing slack about i have all these things i want to do and i'm about to tear my hair out because i'm trying to do them all at once mm. and she she was basically asking like am i doing this wrong <laughs> or like um how do i not get trapped into doing all of the things all at once mm -hmm. um that's a that's a really hard question to answer it it depends on who you are but yeah. that's why i really like relying on the hierarchy and why yeah. i really like trying to focus on one thing at a time be because it gives you focus and direction and keeps you from falling over the overwhelmed cliff into the unhappy valley where yeah. you hate unhappy everything. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, terrible. I think both of us told her some version of like, you can only do one thing at a time, which was very, mm -hmm. this was like last week when I was yeah. going through like my spreadsheet and I was like, oh yeah, Emily, you can only do one thing at a time. Cause I was reading, I was reading through act one and I started to get overwhelmed because I had all these notes of revision changes I wanted to make and knew I needed to make. And I was like, what if I just make some of these, get them out of my brain, 
Mm -hmm. right? Just like do some of the bigger edits, get them out of my brain and then start to tackle the next thing, right? I don't have to have a laundry list of every single revision I'm going to make before I start. Um, That would paralyze me. So Mm -hmm. I think it can be helpful to just like, remember, it's just one step at a time, one Mm -hmm. revision at a time, start with the top of the hierarchy bottom of the hierarchy the big part of the hierarchy the big part <laughs> the big picture part i think of it as like it literally could go either way but in my brain it's always an upside down triangle upside down <laughs> but like it could be the other way it could just be just a triangle <laughs> but like the long part you all get the point <laughs> like the big part are those big high level topics yeah, yeah. um and I tackle I, like, one I, at a time. I feel like i have to repeat them again because imagine now that it's a triangle you have yeah your story's takeaway, its message, and then like the next layer of the triangle is plot structure or character arcs. I think those two, depending on how your brain works, are about the same or interchangeable in levels. But you get those big things. And then from there, you can look at your scenes and the goals of your scenes and making sure that they're aligning to the structure and your characters. And then you can go smaller to secondary characters and subplots and threads romance mm-hmm. those things and then go to like actual editing like the mechanics of prose line level stuff line mm-hmm. level things the technical aspects of writing like don't 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 go out of order unless yeah. you feel really like i like you said i've got to get something out of my brain but at the same yeah. time you you have you already knew what changes you needed to make. It's not like yeah. you started there with yeah. you didn't start at line editing without knowing what the big picture changes you were going to make. I think that's absolutely where get tripped up. Yeah. They, but I feel like people also they're like, okay, if I have a revisions plan, then I'm gonna know all of the all the answers. You know, all the answers up into that level of subplots and threads. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no, no. Do the changes for the other stuff first and then worry about your subplots and threads because yeah. those are going to support the rest of your story. That's where I get stressed out. So I'm like, I'm changing this secondary character and then I'm going to take this one and move this one forward and then move that one back and then remove this one. And those changes are – those are for later after mm-hmm. you've figured out the bigger structural things that you um, that you want to do because that stuff fits in around the bigger structural things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, we've touched on this, but I want to share like a, the process that we use with our clients and like the process that I'm using for myself. Um, so this would be once I finish my draft, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reread everything and I'm not going to allow myself to make any edits. Um, so the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to read this draft in an uneditable format it can for me. I'm going to put it on my Kindle, or mm. I'm going to put it on a PDF. Um, but I'm not. I'm probably not going to read it in Scrivener because it'll be very tempting yeah. to jump in to like add a word here and there, change that dialogue tag, make this show don't tell more clear. Like that's very tempting for me. So I'm going to read it in a way that I can't make changes. I can only take notes. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to be taking the notes. I'm going to be taking are on those hierarchy items. Um, One way to do this is to read through the draft one pass per item, like per topic. Mm. Um, That's very okay. You'll have multiple read-throughs of your draft. You're probably going to get tired of it. Very normal. (laughs) Um, That's fine. Or you can 
be taking all sorts of these high level notes with like one read through of your draft. So whatever feels more doable to you, but please just hold in your head that this is takes as much time as it's going to take. Don't like try to rush through this process because you want to save time Mm-hmm. as far as like deadline time like you're, that's not what you're doing this for if it if your brain would work better to read it multiple times for each of these high level topics read it multiple times if it works better for you to kind of absorb it what are the vibes what are the feelings and kind of take a whole bunch of notes at once do that then after you do that you have a whole bunch of notes and you can you will start to see direction you'll start to see where you will want to make changes Mm-hmm. Um, so I, again, go through that hierarchy and be like, okay, what are the changes that I want to make for my story point? What notes did I take? What was I thinking? What was I feeling? And how can I make that message more clear based on those notes? So that's where I start making my plan where I think about, I want to tackle X, Y, Z first. These are the big things. Mm-hmm. How can I do that in my scenes? And from there, I'll start to think okay, if my story point is unclear by the end of the book, I either want to start in like for me in the all is lost or at the very beginning of the Mm. story and look at like, what are my character's flaws? How are they going to change? So I look at those, I answer those questions and I look at my scenes on an individual basis. Um, And from there I start jumping in. If you don't have an outline or you haven't outlined this draft, that's perfectly okay. You can do something called reverse outlining where now that your draft is finished, you outline, you like take the scenes that you already have and you basically make an outline from that. So you're outlining based on the draft you already have, but doing some sort of an outline is like going to give you a summary of everything that happens. So you can more easily see where you want to make changes or, or what's even happening in your book and then decide, okay, that scene and that scene in the debate that I already know that I want to change, what am I going to do about it? And I can make a plan for that. Yeah. It's lots of notes. As far as like how you pull that off, it can be a spreadsheet like Emily uses. I don't love spreadsheets because I spend way too much time making them mm-hmm. and then I get tired of them. So I like tend to just take a bunch of notes. I'll Scrivener has lots of um, native tools that I'll mm-hmm. use in that app for revising. I also use Notion. There's all sorts of ways you can keep track of this yeah. and there's not a right way or a wrong way. It just is what's going to keep your brain on track and not leave you feeling completely overwhelmed. Yeah. And and like we said, like you can, it doesn't, again, revisions don't have to be linear either. You can mm-hmm. start by revising your third act because that's clear to you. And then that will give you some direction for your first act. You can start you know, you can reverse outline just your act one, like I did. And then, um, you know, tackle that before you figure out what you're going to do next. Like it does not have to be all at once. Um, I think if you're starting to get overwhelmed, just take a bite off of something that's in the bigger part of the, of the pyramid, you know, take a, take a bite out of a piece of your character arc that is clear to you or a piece of your plot that, you know, you want to change. Just move forward and then, you know, keep evaluating the changes that you want to make um, from there. Yeah. I think the last really note that I have is that you are still not aiming for perfect. Mm-mm. Revisions don't get you to perfection. And what I don't want you to do is to get stuck on that first scene and like 
again, spin your wheels where it you're now revising act one, act one's got to be perfect before you can yeah. move on. Like that's an unattainable goal. And specifically about those opening scenes, nine times out of 10, 99 out of a hundred times, you are not going to be able to nail those first scenes in the way that you absolutely love them until you feel really good about the end. Yeah. So like I, I personally will probably not rework my opening image until I feel really good about my final image about that very last scene, because those opening scenes are usually the last ones to get really, really, really good. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. So just don't, don't be trying to work yourself through a, like into perfection. It's just, it ends up just being another draft and then you do this process again and then another yeah. draft and then you do this process again. Yep. hundred percent. Okay. Cool. So, um, yeah, cool. So we have a, a couple links for you in the show notes. Um, we will link to Tenacious Writing, which is our, our writing program where we talk a lot about revisions and we're also going to link to our, our story magic one-on-one coaching program. So if you're needing help with this specifically, if you are feeling like you're going to tear your hair out because you have no idea what to do. Yeah. We are here for you. Come talk we, to us. We'll talk come to talk you. Come talk to us. About we can how help we can you out. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and we also make it super fun. So yes, yes. this does we not very have to fun. be a <laughs> nail-biting process. Um, this is a, it can be a really fun thing. All right. If you want to build a successful, fulfilling, and sustainable writing life that works for you, you've got to get on our email list. Sign up now to get our free email course, The Magic of Character Arcs. After seven days of email magic, you'll have the power to keep your readers flipping pages all through the night. Link in the show notes. We'll see you there. Thanks, Sam. Bye.